Hi guys, um, very nice that you're listening to uh, my story. My name is Karolina Ionitz. My friends called me Caro, but I think online I'm more known by Karolina. I'm a Polish person living in the Netherlands for 20 years. Um, I moved here because of love. Um, yeah, I work in animal welfare and I'm crazy about dogs. That's, that's me in a nutshell. Pretty much, that's the essence of uh, who I am. Crazy about dogs, yeah. Yeah, she's the center of my universe. She's the catalyst of uh, a lot of changes in my life. She is my first grown-up, my own dog. I grew up with dogs, but, you know, when you're with your parents, it's, it's different. Uh, her name is Lou. She's 10 years old, so it gives you an idea of uh, how long this uh, dog craziness has lasted in my life. Um I wasn't planning on getting a dog, really. I always loved dogs, but I always thought, like, no, I can't get one. It's too much work. And no, my lifestyle is not okay. And then I went on a half a year volunteering trip to Central America. And something or switched in my brain. I was like, wait a minute. I am, how old was I? Above 30. I have a job. If I want a dog... I'm going to get a dog. It just like popped in my head. And I kid you not, maybe a few weeks after that, my ex-boyfriend found two abandoned puppies. So my mind was already set on getting a dog. I, I even actually started browsing through the Dutch uh, shelter websites, like window shopping, thinking that I'm going to get one when we go, go back home. And there it was, two puppies. And yeah, the rest is sort of history. Yeah. They were about five weeks old, two females, five, yeah, five weeks old, estimated. Um, and the original idea was like, okay, we're going to make them stronger and a little bit older and we're going to find a home for them because getting a puppy from uh, Nicaragua to the Netherlands is a big hassle. After a few weeks, I was like, okay, I cannot part with them. They are coming with me. And initially I thought like, okay, I'm going to keep them both. But then a uh, plot twist, um, unfortunately, they started fighting when they turned about three months old. And it wasn't like a squabble. It was really like, I'm going to draw blood. And then I had like, okay, what is going on? Wait a minute. And I started searching for information. And that's how I um, found out about the littermate syndrome, with, which officially is not a syndrome. It's anecdotal. Uh, it's not like supported by any research or anything. Um, but a lot of trainers shared their experience that it can happen that two litter mates either get so bonded that they become codependent or they show aggression towards each other, towards each other to the point of uh, some dogs actually kill each other. Um, yeah, and this was when I realized I, I, yeah, I probably won't be able to keep them both, but I did bring them both to the Netherlands and I rehomed her sister here and she's uh, in Zandam right now with a family, so doing well. Uh, before I went on the trip, I was uh, working in a cultural sector here in the Netherlands. 
Um, and that whole trip just sort of um, made me reevaluate um, my um, goals and values in life. Um, and when I decided, yeah, when I got back, I decided I wanted to switch fields. Um, and I think she was the catalyst of me wanting to work with animals and for animals. And eventually, not immediately, but eventually I um, got a job in uh, animal welfare. And I also um, yeah, became a dog trainer at some point. Um, and that's because of her, greatly because of her, yeah. She also she sort of uh, made me discover the world of dogness because when I got her, I had this a little bit Disney-like idea. Okay, I'm going to get a dog and my dog is going to come with me everywhere and it's going to be 24-7 happy machine and she's going to love everything. And then I got her <laughs> and I had to adjust my expectations and I had to discover how dogs, these intricate creatures, actually work. So, yeah. She's an amazing mirror for myself, but not always in a positive way. If I'm crabby, she's going to be like 10 times on top. So that makes me sort of stop and, you know, reassess what I'm doing. Uh, we really like can trigger each other so much. And she just made me realize that dogs are actually pretty complicated, much more complicated than uh, a lot of people think, which is actually interesting. Um and it just, you know, I always loved dogs, but I also realized what's so special about them. They are the only animal kind that really uh, goes out of their way to try to cooperate with us in some way, to try to communicate. Of course, we've got cats and we've got horses and there are farmed, other farmed animals. But dogs, it's so unique in how much they try to, you know, create a bond with us. It's really special. The, the group, it might be worthwhile to name it. It's Experts with Dogs in Amsterdam. Uh, it's, I didn't start it. It's uh, Julia Szymańska-Wolski started it. She's a dog behaviorist. Um, and I joined mm, probably 10 years ago. Um, I was searching for answers myself because uh, my first dog and... Wait, is it 10? Yeah, could be. Anyways... Um, I joined and I became extremely active at some point, also because I'm addicted to Facebook, let's face it. Um, and Julia at some point asked me if I wanted to become a co-admin with her and, uh, and Katie. So yeah, that's the story of the group. And I think um, what my drive is, a lot of the things um, that I learned in the past 10 years, I learned myself. Um, I did a lot of research. I read a lot of books. I can show you my bookshelf uh, in a sec, maybe. It's filled with dog books. Um, but it's been a very interesting road of discovery. Um, and I've, I feel like, you know, I have it and I want to just give it to all the new uh, people, like new people in the dog world and just here take it because, you know, it took me quite a lot of work to find everything out myself. I made tons of mistake, my, my mistakes with Lou myself and I would just like to make it smoother for others, I guess. I'm really driven to share. Yeah. I'm a shelter volunteer, yes. Um, 
I started in 2019 um, and I started from visiting people that adopted animals, dogs and cats, just to see if things were going well um, and stuff like that. After a while, I got a little bit too busy to combine it with um, my work and studying, so I put it on hold. And um, a little bit more than a year ago, they had an opening for um, training, training volunteers with shelter dogs. And um, I um, reapplied to become a volunteer again. And then from that, I also started um, doing more chores like cleaning and uh, you know keeping the dogs uh, happy and walking them, stuff like that. I do that once a week and it's very, very rewarding. There are so many amazing dogs in the shelter, really. It's also quite, um, yeah. I, if I could, I would take them all. Anybody watching this and listening, if you're looking for a dog, get in touch with your local shelter because lots of dogs are not on the website, but they might have a match for you. So try that road first. There are a lot of outdated ideas about dog training still, where, you know, you're supposed to be, like you mentioned, you're supposed to be pack leader and your dog has to listen to you um, without realizing that it's actually a two-way communication. Um, I think we also expect a lot from our dogs in the city setting. Uh, we want them to be able to cope with a lot of triggers um, and we don't we are not always aware of how they feel um there's a lot of focus on fixing behavior without diving deeper like why does my dog do what he does or she um what's behind it uh, while if you want to uh, have a sustainable change of behavior you often need to change the emotions behind it and you also have to cater to the needs of our dogs you know it's okay to want to take your dog to a restaurant um I take Lou sometimes, occasionally with me as well, but I also give her a lot of outlets just to be a dog. And that means running around, sniffing, digging, uh, all the things that come naturally to her. And I think there's not a lot of awareness in general public uh, that um, what it, um, what makes a dog be a dog, what the natural needs and instincts are. Yeah, those are the things that uh, I come across. So our role in the school is to actually make people aware of it. And uh, we hope that they dig deeper and discover who, what kind of persons their dogs are. Being in the shelter just made me realize that um, it's, yeah, I fall in love with dogs like regularly there that I wouldn't expect to fall in love with at all. But because you work together, you discover what kind of an individual it is. Um, I also trained as a volunteer in someone else's classes and I got this little fluffy, uh, well, yeah, kind of people would say she's cute. I looked at her and was like, this is not my type of a dog at all. But I ended, I ended up completely falling in love with her completely because the bond you create when you work together, she was fearful. She was extremely fearful. She came from a puppy mill. Um, she was used for breeding. Uh, the first uh, lesson I had to carry her out of her kennel because she would not walk. She just flat out pancaked. She was so terrified. Um, 
And in an ideal scenario, I probably wouldn't take carry her out. But in the setting of a shelter, we have limited time and lim limited resources, so we need to we need to push them a little over the border. Um, she ended up bl blossoming, and I ended up completely in love with her. So, uh, don't fall for looks. Try to discover the personality. I guess that's my biggest learning. Yeah. And I think when you're choosing a dog, you really have to look critically at what am I able to uh, provide? Uh, how much time? Um, how much energy you want to spend? Um, how much time you want to put in the fur maintenance? That's a really neglected uh, topic with a lot of people. And uh, I'm going to be honest, I would not want a high maintenance fur in my dog because it's not something I'm willing to put time into. So then do not go for a Labradoodle, please. Or anything else, Poodle. If you want to, you know, if you want to go to the groomer once a month or how much is needed, definitely go for it. But if you don't have those resources and the time and energy, just don't do it. Yeah. So look critically at yourself because that creature, where is she? Oh, she's still chewing there. They are completely dependent on us. We decide on everything, everything for them. So, yeah. Think of what you have to offer. Uh, where you live, um, is it city center or outside? Is it ground floor? Are there any stairs? Um, and I think also one very, very underestimated aspect is how much of a dog can you physically handle? Like I'm pretty petite and for me it would be really ir irresponsible to get a big strong dog because even the most docile dog is still an animal that can get spooked and can pull you over on your face. So think of what you can safely handle size-wise. Um, the age of the animal, um, be critical about it. I'm 40, I'm almost 44. I think I could probably maybe handle another puppy and have the energy to raise him. But in 10 years, I don't know, kind of questionable. And there are so many lovely older animals available for adoption as well. So think of the age. Um, yeah, think of what the dog uh, uh, might be inclined to do if it's a hunting dog. It's fine to have one in the city, but you need to find outlets for that energy. So there are a lot of there are quite a lot of schools in the area and they offer different classes. If you have a hunting dog, you have to keep them occupied with something. You can't just plant your dog on a couch like this one here and uh, have them spend their day like this because they're going to get bored and they're going to get destructive and you're going to get behavioral problems. And it's just not going to be fun and probably tons of other stuff you need to consider. Lou turned out to be reactive to dogs, which is partly because of her past and lack of proper socialization. Because when she was a puppy, we lived on a big plot of land and there were no other dogs there but one. That was our neighbor's dog. He came in, he saw the puppies and he was like, okay, bye, I see you in a few months. He really did not want to have any to do, anything to do with the puppies. So she grew up without a role model. She was taken away from her mom too young. I don't know what the story is. My ex found them just abandoned along a dirt, dirt road. Um, yeah, I'm kind of losing my train of thought. So it turned out to be reactive. Uh, I used to live much more central in Amsterdam. I lived in East officially, I think still even the center, which means a lot of triggers. Um, 
I had no idea what reactivity meant. So that was a road of discovery. Um, and to accommodate her personality and what she needs to be a stable dog, I um, became much more settled myself, much more than I would have planned before and maybe much more than I would have wanted. Um, uh, we moved to uh, out outskirts. Um, I gave up the idea that she would be coming with me to cafes and restaurants apart from maybe occasionally, but because now she can, because we're, we've made a lot of progress. So I uh, became quite settled, yes. Um, and I um, created a routine in which she can be happy and we can be happy together. Yeah. And of course, I changed my career completely. And I think the first thing that strikes you is the disappointment and sort of mourning over your idea because you know um yeah you create a you, you start a relationship with your dog with certain expectations and then these expectations can maybe be met or can be just like you know put to grave so i was mourning a little at the idea okay i don't have the 24 7 happy machine labrador type of a dog that loves everybody um and then yeah a lot of things changed. I um, became, I guess, a little bit less sociable myself, which in the long run pretty much fits my personality. So I don't know if it was meant to be, I guess. Um, I also did not like walking before I got my dog. Like walking <laughs> part of my routine. I would get on my bike, get from point A to B. That's it. But yeah, the first thing that had to change was walking the dog. So I discovered that walking is actually pretty nice, especially together. Um, yeah. My world became just different than what it was 10 years ago. But the clothes bit. Oh, my God. My whole wardrobe changed. <laughs> I used to go to retro and secondhand shops to get nice things for me. And I had, you know, like um, high heels and uh, nice dresses. They are still somewhere there in the closet. I haven't seen light for the past uh, 10 years, pretty much. Now it's pants and uh, sneakers and comfortable, rainproof, warm gear. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like working full-time, I think that's one underestimated aspect of, um, you know, um, uh, I don't... Well, I probably work full-time when you com combine everything, uh, but my partner uh, works from home currently, so that gives me quite quite some space to do other things because she's um, well taken care of. But I think people underestimate the impact it has on your energy when you work, especially if you work full-time, and you have to um, also take care of your dog. That's quite um, energy-draining yeah, situation. Um, since Corona, I also work partly from home, and that also gives a bit of a breather. Like um, before, we had a I worked I think three days in the office, and we had a dog walker, and you know she was amazing, and Lou loved her, and um, fantastic. But for me, it was the pressure. Like, okay, I'm done. It's it's five thirty. I have to run home to see if my dog is okay. Like, you know, no socializing, no drinks with colleagues. Just like, sorry, I really have to go. And that pressure was really weighing kind of heavy on me. I have to say, I'm really happy that that's no longer the case. I think people just 
I would really like to see more awareness, um, you know, that um, what natural dog behavior is and how we can shape it into something we that the dog will be happy with and we will be happy with. Yeah, of course, you know, um, in a real, in an ideal world scenario, I would love to open the door and just have my dog go and, you know, do her thing. It's not going to happen in the setting we live in, but I can look into ways how to substitute it and create a... Um, yeah, a kind of life that she enjoys and I enjoy. Yeah. I think eventually I would like to study behaviorism to really help um, people and dogs with um, behavioral problems. But I don't know what time frame that will be because those studies are quite expensive. By the way, uh, it's a free profession here, so you don't need to actually be certified at all, and you can call yourself behaviorist. And I think that's so a lot of people do, and that's uh, that's one of the things that really irks me because um, behavior uh, is much much more complicated than most people think. Uh, and I think to um, be able to help animals with a behavioral problem, you need to have an understanding of. Uh, um, neurology, biology, physiology, um, all the theoretical knowledge. Experience is important, but without a steady theoretical base, you're risking so much. Yeah, it's so irresponsible. So anyways, maybe behaviorism, um, if I uh, manage to save money for that super expensive study. And if I won the lottery, I would really love to have like a sanctuary for um, non-adoptable dogs. Yeah. So I'm gonna keep playing it. Maybe it works. If you know, if you open your heart and your eyes to these amazing creatures, your life becomes so much richer on so many levels. So just um, open up to the wonderful creatures around us um, and realize that we are actually also animals, and we should be living in harmony with each other and with nature. Yeah.